Welcome to episode number 187 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on December the 11th, 2022. My name is Eric, I'm the host of the show, based in southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events and started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. I'm Scott, a first responder from Ontario. I like learning things and I worry about our fragile infrastructure. And I'm Jeff. I am based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, ham radio operator, general overall handyman, and weather nerd. I'm Pierre. I make t-shirts for part-time living. Uh, I part-time prep the odd time on Sunday nights because I have nothing better to do and I like my beard. (laughs) All right, we've got uh, Dr. Roland with us this evening. He's the uh, founder and CEO of Jace Medical and a a board-certified medical physician. So welcome to the show uh, this evening, Dr. Roland. We're happy to have you and interested to hear what you have to say about uh, Jace Medical. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And yeah, I look forward to the conversation. Want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air? Buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the Tactical Velcro patch available at prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on, the backup generator, and wood gas fire fueled. (laughs) And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or just if there's a topic you would like us to cover, Email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, so we've got some uh, patient content for you in this episode. Yes, the terrible dad jokes continue into 187. (laughs) We're going to start off with some recent news articles, and we'll update you on our personal preps. And then we're going to get into the main topic, and that's uh, Jace Medical this evening. So for uh, news articles, I've got an article here that uh, I thought was pretty appropriate for the topic we're talking about tonight. Uh, it touches on a local pharmacist uh, talking about a, so- a shortage of over-the-counter medicine and antibiotics. Uh, so things such as amoxicillin, and, and I'm sure everybody's heard about the uh, children's Tylenol and, uh, and infant Tylenol shortage that we've all been seeing here the last little while. Uh, it just uh, touches on those and the fact that it's, uh, it's something that's happening right now. And I've got a couple quick articles. Um, one of them is from the uh, Guardian, and it just talks about, I'm sure everybody's, uh, if you've been paying attention, I've heard that there was uh, an attack on the power grid in North Carolina last weekend. Uh, they took out two substations, knocked out a couple of uh, towns of with hydro for, uh, I believe, three days or so. Uh, they're now getting reports of... Uh, more incidences of power substations being attacked, uh, this time in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so again, it's just, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of always talked about my, my biggest fear has always been the power grid and how really uh, not great it is. And, you know, I guess when somebody can just drive up to a substation, knock down a fence, throw a couple of hundred rounds downrange and you're without power, that's uh, something to be a little concerned about. <clears throat> Especially uh, if they the can other... afford a few hundred rounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are those uh, cyber attacks, Jeff? No, they there were actual. Uh, they actually shot at, used yep. uh, used high powered rifles, and actually disabled yep. the power stations with. Uh, so I'm 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 assuming I I don't know. They just said that they were they were weapons attacks, and so I'm assuming you know you've got oil and all that stuff in your transformers and all that that they just punched holes in them and everything leaked out and. Started Yikes. shutting down. I don't know for sure, but uh, no, it definitely was not uh, cyber this time. It was a full-out physical, physical yep. attack. Wow. And the uh, second one I've got uh, is a Reuters article. Um, just, just as a throw out there, that the U.S. Congress uh, voted to impose the contract on the rail workers to prevent, uh, to prevent the strike. So, kind of a preemptive thing. Um, that's kind of a really whole weird doing there that there's there's 12 unions involved in rails in the United States. Um, four out of those 12 voted it down. Um, and I thought, you know, in the real world that majority rules, but I guess apparently because 
four out of the 12 voted it down. Um, there was going to be a strike uh, and the government just simply said, we just can't let that happen in our time now with everything that's going on with supply chains and shortages of everything. I mean, they were talking about a, a $2 billion a day impact to the, the U.S. economy on a rail strike. So I'm not obviously a fan of the government and or having the government step in, but um, I, I think this time they they really didn't have much of an option. And Scott? Uh, I've got an article. Uh, there was a leak in the Keystone XL pipeline uh, in sort of northeast Canada. Uh, it takes oil from Canada down to the U.S. Gulf Coast for uh, refinement. Um not a lot of information yet as to the, the cause of it, but whether it was something malicious or fragile infrastructure, either way, it's just something that uh, sort of on our radar or my radar. All right. Shall we move into what we've done lately for preps? I've been off for a couple of weeks, so I've got all sorts of great stuff. I'm the Ian of, of the episode. <laughs> Um, I was adding some conduit to do some networking and get ready for satellite internet. Um, so I actually decided to put a T on my main floor so that later on, if I want to run, say, a radio antenna uh, up to my roof, I have really easy access. That way I can put the radio somewhere where it would be heard kind of during the day, during a prolonged emergency. Um, you know, if I had to put a coupling in, why not put a T in anyway? So, um, so I was really happy with how that turned out. The satellite internet didn't turn out as well. <laughs> we'll try and get that fixed for uh, next week's episode. Um, we've been uh, rehydrating some lupini beans, uh, getting ready to can them. Uh, there are these great, big, really interesting beans. The important part about this point is my wife is really excited about it. Um, so the fact that we're kind of doing something that I consider prepping together, I think is really cool. Um, we added some insulation uh, up in our attic uh, just to try and blow in a little more and make uh, make it so we can heat the place with a single candle. Um, I figure it's never a bad idea. Um, and uh, also through uh, Rapid Survival, I got a whole home EMP uh, hardening device. Uh, so when my electrician is next year, we're going to get that wired in. I was emailing the company, and they're really uh, very helpful about sort of answering some very technical, specific questions. Um, sort of about which circuits does it need to be on its own. And it uh, looks like it could be on any uh, two-phase 20-amp circuit, which just happens to be my well, which would be the most important circuit I'd want, <laughs> want to protect anyway. Then mm -hmm. um, I also uh, did a little bit of EMP hardening on uh, the other car. Um, just kind of discreetly did that, so the other driver doesn't even have to notice it. Uh, but I figure it's just it's good insurance. My... Um, my threat assessment for EMP has probably dropped a little bit in the past couple of months, um, but it's something that's been on the to-do list for a while. So uh, why not spend a couple hundred bucks and not have to worry about it? So, uh, so I think that's all kind of exciting. Other stuff's really boring. <laughs> so I did. Uh, I did a little bit of food prep. Um, I was absent uh, last show so sorry about that folks i just was not uh, feeling very well um and i was uh able to uh put my generators to use during a power outage last saturday we got quite a good windstorm here without power for about four and a half hours um i'll be really brief but basically um a friend down the road her uh sump pump backup failed to work in the power outage called in a panic i'm just like my basement's gonna flood no problem, I have a generator, load my small uh, inverter generator in my truck, go down there, pull it out, try to start it. Second pull, I broke the pull cord. Uh, so she starts like really freaking, she's like, oh, what are we gonna do? And I'm like, relax, prepper, you know, one is none, two is one. I'll be back in five minutes. Came back home, uh, was able to quickly gerrymander up a way to get the bigger generator into the back of the truck, back down there, fired it up uh, and had her uh, sump pump going within less than 10 minutes. So nice. and it was kind of handy to, to have it and, you know, to be able to say I had a backup for the backup and I had to use that second backup and I'm glad I had it. So. Yep. Well, that's awesome. 
It, it is fun being the friend that has exactly what someone needs in that scenario. <laughs> yep. Yeah, maybe you'll get her uh, swapped over to being a little bit more prepared for next time. Yep. <laughs> uh, for myself, I have been on the road for the last mm. two weeks. So it has literally been uh, living out of the car and, and out of the hotel. So I uh, did the usual uh, recon of the hotel, identifying all the exits, escape routes, all that kind of stuff we've talked about in the past. But uh, beyond that, it's literally just been uh, living out of a suitcase and uh, finally back home uh, a couple of days ago, actually on Friday afternoon, and really haven't done much in the last two weeks except that. So nice and short for me. Nice. Um, we ended up reorganizing our food stock downstairs, as you guys saw the pictures. Um, everything's a lot more organized, a lot easier to peek in and say, okay, we pick up this, pick up that. Um, so we did that, uh, some cleaning and organizing because the bedroom ended up being, you know, the room you throw everything in and don't bother cleaning. So we're doing that. Um, did some maintenance on some metal objects that may need to be used one day and uh, packed a few. Can that be a can opener, back. Pierre? We're live, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, also got a few bags you know, re reorganized um, a few bins, you know, swap out a few things, take out some of the summer stuff, winter stuff meant to do, but kind of found a, a better place to hopefully have a more readily available and easy to grab if a scenario shows up that it's like, grab, you know, or two, three absolute bins and like throw them in the car or truck and get out of here so they're a little closer to the door and better stocked, hopefully never to be used. Awesome. All right. Well, with that, let's move into the main topic. So, uh, like I mentioned, we've got Dr. Roland with us this evening. Uh, I know everybody's kind of been anticipating having him on here to hear what he has to say. Um, so let's start out with, uh, just telling us a little bit about uh, Jace medical. What, uh, what should we know and what are you all about? Sure. Well, first maybe I should say, well, you know, never, it's never safe to assume anything, but I'm assuming none of you mentioned any medical preps because you're, you're completely medically prepared. Um, and so you don't, you don't have that on your list, but, uh, we, that's, that's really why, why, uh, Jace medical is around. Um, you know, we've been, we're, we're relatively new. We've only been doing this, uh, really for just over a year. Um, the company itself is, is just about two years old and was, was born out of this. For me, it was trying to find a solution to help. At first it was just kind of my immediate, my family, you know, neighbors and, and patients of my, of my practice, um, to empower them to be better prepared medically. Um, and then that's really what it was born out of. And then it has expanded to, to cover, um, all 50 States in the U S, um, up in Canada. And we're going to be, uh, um, expanding here beyond, beyond there as well here shortly. Uh, what we do really that that empowering people uh, to be better prepared medically that's a really broad thing uh, when you talk about medical preparedness everyone's situation is different when it comes to their their own health but then there's also things that we all share in in common um, but it is a, it, it, it's it's a lot it's a lot to tackle and so we started that that mission um, focusing on initially on antibiotics and providing um, antibiotics um, <clears throat> before you might need them um, in, in an amount that would be enough to uh, initially it was thinking, okay, this is going to be for one adult to cover them for really the, the widest range of, of bacterial illnesses that we could, we could uh, think of um, over the course of, of a year or two. Um, and we wanted to cover not just the common things that you might run into, things like urinary tract infections and traveler's diarrhea, skin infections, that kind of stuff. But we also wanted to cover the most deadly things. Um, and so that's bioterror. The antibiotics play a really important role in bioterror. Um, the, here in the U.S., uh, the threats that top threats that were identified um, have been are anthrax, uh, tularemia, and plague. And so our, our kit um, accounts for those as well so that you've got treatment options, not just if you get sick, but to keep yourself from getting sick in the event of, of, a, of an actual bioterror attack. Um, so that's really, uh, you know, the idea is that is leveraging technology. Nowadays, we've got telemedicine um, that people are more used to, um, not just from, for the patients, but also, you know, regulatory wise. And so we're able to leverage that technology to really bring a physician into your, in, into your home 
wherever you are um, to have this encounter to make sure that what we're doing is safe and appropriate. We are talking about prescription medications after all, um, but to make that accessible for everyone, make it convenient. And then the last piece of this um, was to was to try and keep costs down as much as we could. Um, and and so today we, we, we offer the, this pack of antibiotics um, that that is accessible really to, to anybody as long as as long as you're in our you know that US or Canada from uh, right now. Awesome. Um, so how would we access services in Canada exactly? So it's the same website. It's jacemedical.com. Um, you go there and it'll, as you go through the process, um, you know, the whole questionnaire takes maybe five, 10 minutes at the most. Um, but early on, it, it will determine, you know, are you in Canada? Are you in the U.S.? Um, and you'll be routed. What, and the, really, you get the same questions. It's the exact same questions. Um, but it then gets routed, obviously, to our Canadian um, physicians and our Canadian pharmacies um, for the folks who are, who are doing it from Canada. Interesting. So it's a, it'll be a, uh, so you go through the questions on the website, it gets routed to a, a physician within Canada. Do you do a, um, like a, an interview with them over the phone or over the website or how does that work? Um, so really only if, if the, if the physician has a questions that weren't clarified, weren't answered to their satisfaction in, in the questionnaire, then yes, they may call for some follow-up information. We try to, we, we've tried to structure the questionnaire to, to really, um, account for any of those, you know, other questions they might have. So it's, it's a rare occurrence, but it happens. Um, and then sometimes the pharmacy, and, and if I understand right, and I'm not nearly as well-versed on all the intricacies of Canadian um, healthcare law or uh, medical practice law um, as I am here in the U S but my understanding is that the, the pharmacies there do have a requirement. Uh, They're required to reach out um, and have a, a, a verbal conversation um, with the patient, unless the patient um, declines that they can decline and say, no, it's fine. I, I, you can just send me my meds. Otherwise um, a lot of times they'll try and reach out just to make sure there's no questions about what's been prescribed. Um, so that's all really from the time you log onto the site, you fill out the form. Physician doesn't have any questions. Pharmacy's okay without any additional contact. The whole process might take 10 minutes and then, you know, it'll take a couple of days for the, for the medications to arrive uh, in the mail. Okay, so it's mailed out to uh, the Canadian customers as well. I know, I know, we're yeah, so it was uh, mailed out in the U.S., but Canada as well, eh? Yep, yep. So it gets mailed directly to your to to your home, wherever the address that you leave on on the form. Awesome. Is there a specific pharmacy in Canada that's used, or is it uh, dependent on province? Or um, a little bit on province. Um, we use a couple of different pharmacies. Um, it's more about how much how much volume each one can handle, because uh, I believe both of them can actually. Um, are able to operate in, in every prov- province. So it's more about kind of where, where, where we're at from a um, availability is kind of how, what kind of okay. throughput they can handle. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what kind of costs or fees are we looking at? Do you know? Well, so it's a little different in Canada. This is maybe a little frustrating. Uh, it was certainly frustrating for me. I know it's frustrating for our Canadian patients and the users over it that come to Jace Medical. Um, again, kind of some differences. It's, this is an interesting, just a quick little side here. Um, you know, in the U S we're, we're kind of used to being told that, that our, and it's true, um, our healthcare costs are, are out of control and they're going up every year and we pay, you know, however much more for our healthcare, our healthcare than anyone else, um, across, you know, up North, across the border, um, in, in your health system, uh, my assumption going into it was, well, you know, obviously we're paying the most we can here in the U S so this is going to be a good deal for the Canadians. Turns out when you're paying cash, which which part of this is to answer your question, is this is not typically anything that's reimbursed or covered by any insurance. Um, I say typically because there, there, are, there are some who are able to do that. So this is a cash pay endeavor. Um, and, and because of that, um, even though we have negotiated as best, as best as we could with our Canadian partners, um, it just turns out that medications in general, across the board, um, are, are more expensive when when they're being delivered in Canada than the U.S. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, most of these medications are, are being made in the same factories. Um, my understanding is Canada may have a little bit more production capacity than we do, but, it, but even Canada is getting their raw ingredients uh, from the same place uh, as far as uh, China and, and India. 
Um, but for some reason, um, whether, whether it's tariffs or, or whatever it is, um, it's, it's more expensive for the Canadians. So if you, when you go to our site, you'll see, and we've got, you can click on the, the, the pricing section and you'll see the price for in us dollars as well as for the for uh, our canadian patients and there is a difference and it is higher i fully acknowledge that and own it and i will say that we have had some talks recently in the last couple of weeks that i hopefully will have some good news for you guys um and to see if we can lower those costs but yeah. but i don't I, I really don't know um i guess i would say on the one hand maybe if you wait you might find it for cheaper but on the other hand if you wait you might not fi- you might find that you're, you're you're sitting out in the cold um right. Uh, you know, with, with all the supply chain issues we're, we're dealing with. So, um, gotcha. yeah, but the pricing is there. Um, it's pretty, it's, 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 it's transparent there on the site. I, okay. I do so, like the pricing comparison that you guys have where you look at what purchased from you guys uh, as a kit versus purchased individually from a couple of different big name pharmacies. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very intelligent way of sort of presenting it. And as a customer, it's like, okay, yeah, all of a sudden that looks like a very reasonable price when you think about what all of these individual prescriptions would cost. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, thank you for reminding me of that. That's something I try to also drive that point home, which is people feel like, well, geez, look at this. This, this seems so expensive, or I can go to my, you know, my pharmacy and I can get this one particular drug and it's cheaper. Um, but you really got to consider everything that you're getting. You're, this isn't just walking into a pharmacy and buying some meds. Um, you're getting, you're getting uh, the prescription. So you're getting the physician encounter. You're having a physician review your case, make sure that, that everything's safe, appropriate. You're getting a lot of, of education and instruction and support. Um, you can contact Jace Medical at, at lifelong once you once you become a customer with any questions about the medications that were prescribed. Uh, you get the guidebook that explains, you know, in layman's terms. If you're not able to talk to a doctor or someone else, well, that's got you know that uh, a medical professional explain <clears throat> explains to you. Here's my symptoms. Okay, here's the medication you could you should consider. Here's how much to take for how long. <clears throat> so that whole kind of bundled package, not to mention the convenience, as Scott mentioned of not having to shop around at different pharmacies and, and try and find the, you know, it's all, it's all right there, prepackaged, ready to go. It's, 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 it's fast and easy. And, and there is a cost associated with, with some of that. But uh, when you really look at that side-by-side comparison, uh, I think you're getting a really good value. Well, that's good. That's a good breakdown kind of helps explain the, the full package that you're getting. Um, as far as the um, the antibiotics that are dispensed, do you get uh, do you know if you get like an official uh, pharmacy receipt with the name of the physician or the pharmacy that uh, you do? Um, that's a Canadian requirement. Um, so you do get. Um, I think it's you guys call it maybe a DNI number. Is that uh, is associated with each yep. meds? Yeah. Yep. Um, the you'll actually you'll see a cost there as well, broken down by med. Um, and uh, that so yes, you do get the same kind of prescription that you would get from any other uh, encounter there in Canada from your physician. Perfect. So that might be handy for some folks that have um, drug plans for their work. Um, I haven't tested this myself yet, but that's all the requirements that drug plans require in order to submit for reimbursement. Uh, Name of the physician, name of the uh, pharmacy, the amounts that were dispensed and the costs. So you you might be able to put that through your, your drug plan through work. Um, Again, not something I've tested yet, but um, yeah, and Possibly. I don't have. A, I, I know we've had um, we've had people reach out to make to ask if they could and to get that information early on, and I never heard a follow up. So I, I would love to hear though if people have been successful in that. Yeah, I'm curious. I might take a run at it, and then I can let you know what happens. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, so what exactly? What antibiotics exactly are dispensed? Is it different uh, on case, or is it different by uh, by the people that are applying? Or yeah, it's not work? so. Um, the only time you might get something different is in the event of uh, two things. One would be allergies, obviously, if you're allergic. Most common allergy that we get um, and the most common across the board is, is a penicillin allergy. Um, and so in that case, um, obviously, you're not going to get one of the uh, meds in our kit is the amoxicillin clavulanate. It's also known by the brand name Augmentin. Um, and so if you had a, pen, a true penicillin allergy, you wouldn't want to take uh, amoxicillin. It's in the same family. Uh, and so we swapped that out for some additional azithromycin, which is a good um, alternative. It covers a lot of the same things um, as amoxicillin and is a good alternative to use if you're allergic. Um, completely different class of, of, of medication in that regard. So allergies is one that might cause you to have something different. 
Um, the other is depending on what other medications you're taking, maybe for a chronic condition. More, the most common, I would say, uh, one that maybe causes the most issues is if people who have a, a heart condition um, and are taking, especially people who have any kind of arrhythmia, um, where they're taking different chronic medications um, that some of the antibiotics may interact with um, and can predispose you actually to worse arrhythmias. Um, and so in that case, uh, again, the, the, the physician will, will make some adjustments. But what we try and do is always at the end of the day, maintain the value. So if, if you're not getting one med, you're going to get more of another um, with that substitution. And in the very rare case that you, you're kind of maybe allergic to multiple meds, you've got your uh, multiple antibiotics, you're on different uh, chronic meds. Sometimes we do just have to kind of take some away. And in that case, we'll, we'll make, a, we'll make a, an adjustment after the fact and uh, with a partial reimbursement um, to make sure that you're still getting that value. Well, that's good to know. And that's all part of the, the intake process too, right? Making sure that you're not on something already that's going to conflict with, uh, with what yeah. you're being prescribed. And, and there is in the very rare case, it, it happens where, where you just not, a, you're not an appropriate candidate um, for something like this. And yep. um, we try you know, that does not happen very often, but uh, that's, that's part of trying to be responsible about how we're right. doing this. Right. And that's, that's a great point of just having why the medical supervision is required for this process and, and why it's a good idea to, to do it through a company like yours that has that oversight of uh, medical professionals being able to say, yeah, this is, this is good. You're good to go here. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. Because if you, if you take a run at it at your own, you could get into some trouble. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that there's oversight and that um, there's medical professionals looking over every step of the step of the way to make sure um, nobody's going to get hurt doing it and they're doing it right. So. So that's an important part of it, I think. Yeah. Uh, we've got a question from Dan in the live chat, uh, just asking, um, how should antibiotics be stored? Like in the fridge, cool, dark place, room temperature? What's the, what's the best way to store the antibiotics? Oh, great. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good one, Dan. So when it comes to storing antibiotics, and this is really important because I think tied to this question is one of the most common questions we get, which is how long do these antibiotics last? How long are they good for? Um, and so these go hand in hand. Um, it, you, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point or we can bring it up now since it's, it's part of this, the answer to this question. But uh, sure. some of you may or may not be familiar with um, the what's called the Shelf Life Extension Program. Um, this is something that's been done with the Department of Defense and the FDA here in the United States. Uh, where just really quick kind of background, the Department of Defense maintains some significant stockpiles of medications, including antibiotics, um, that they were having to turn over, you know, every every year or two um, at ex considerable expense. And so they wanted to find out, are these medications really expired? Do we really need to be doing this this often? Which is interesting. The government was trying to save money. But um, so luckily for us, they, they, this was, you know, important to them. And so they commissioned this study and the FDA... Um, what they found is really interesting. Uh, if, if stored properly and stored properly means kept not too hot, not too cold and definitely not wet. So you want to be in a cool, dry place. Um, room temperature is what's officially recommended. Um, I think if you were to do anything, I would tend to a cooler versus a warmer uh, end of that spectrum. You do want to uh, avoid freezing the medications if you can. But we're, uh, actually, heat is is actually um, probably the 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 worst um, heat and humidity. So a hot, humid environment will quickly degrade the medications. If they freeze, it's not the end of the world, especially if they're in this hard pill form, not uh, liquid. Um, liquid frozen medications will go through some degradation if they're frozen. It's not a good thing. Uh, but these pills, capsules are 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 okay, um, especially if they're you know they might be frozen for a few hours, a day or two. It's not a, not a huge deal. Um, so cool, dry uh, is is ideal. And if they're stored properly that way, uh, the study showed that really on average, you had a, at least five years before you saw any real um, degradation starting um, in, in the potency of the medication, with most of them being fine uh, out to 15 plus years, um, where you might wow. end up seeing 15 years down the road, you'll see maybe a 10% uh, loss of potency you know, get down to 90% potent. Um, and in the case of antibiotics, that's, that's okay because antibiotics have, for the most part, not all of them, um, uh, have a pretty, uh, we'll call it a, a wide therapeutic index. And that means that the dose doesn't have to be, you know, exactly to the milligram. Um, and so if you're losing a little bit of potency, you're, you should 
probably be okay. Now there's other medications, uh, blood thinning medications, um, thyroid hormone medications where that dose is really important and you don't, you, you wouldn't want to apply the same rule there. Um, so there just again, answer the question, cool and cool and dry is, is the best way to store those medications. Awesome. All right. I've got another question here from a Melissa in the live chat, and I don't know if this is more of a Canadian policy thing or if it's a thing that happens in the States as well, uh, but just in regards to uh, using your services, do you know if your general practitioner uh, is charged as well? Uh, apparently she's saying if you uh, attend the hospital or clinic uh, in Canada, at least the, the, the general practitioner is notified and they receive a bill as well. You know, yeah. Yeah. To my knowledge, no, and I have I haven't heard of anything like that happening. I'm sure I would have heard it pretty quick from all of our guys. Hey, because that was something they didn't anticipate. Um, but no, I have not heard of that being an issue at all. Um, I don't know if that's partly because you're paying cash for this service. I don't know yeah. if that has anything to do with it, but I, I imagine that might. Fair enough. And Dave's got a question. Uh, again, it might be uh, Canadianized. So you may or may not know the answer to it. But uh, do you know if uh, if you accept prescription discount cards like uh, GoodRx or, or anything like that? So the the uh, we use GoodRx here in the U.S. I'm familiar with them and others. The the quick answer is no, um, and the reason is because we've already there's no more discount um, really that you could get from the pharmacies that we've contracted with, um, and so. You might see a coupon that uh, GoodRx that might apply to one of these meds, um, but I, with the agreements that we have in place with them, where they they kind of pre you know they get as much quantity as they can for us, and, and we've got these prearranged deals to the degree that um, now it hasn't happened in Canada yet that I'm aware of, but we've had it happen in the U.S. where um, where we've had you know a shortage of a medication nationwide that hospitals weren't able to able to get it pharmacies weren't able to, it was really hard to where we've we've already secured the that medication through our pharmacy partners because they know you know what we're doing and, and the amounts we need um, and so because of all that 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 pricing is pretty much set and pre pre uh, there's there's not additional discounts we do run sales pretty often um, different times of the year through different um, partners um, with with coupon codes that, on, uh, that you can use on our site Awesome. All right. We got one more here from the live chat from uh, DM Davey. And I was wondering, I was figuring this one was going to come up at some point. Uh, it's in regards to uh, the fish antibiotics uh, that you can buy in uh, pet stores and, and uh, locations like that. Uh, are they the same thing that uh, usually is prescribed to humans or is, are they something different or would you, uh, would you know on, on yeah. that topic? Sure. So pet antibiotics, um, Again, a little difference here between the U.S. and Canada. I don't know the rules in Canada or if this is going to change. Here in the U.S., um, at least with some legislation that has passed and is supposedly going to be enacted or enforced, start to be enforced by uh, this in the coming year in 2023, I think uh, this summer, um, where they are going to require a veterinarian's prescription for pet antibiotics, the same as they do for humans. So this, this question will kind of go away here in the U.S. at least. Uh, to answer it though, um, yes, but it's a little more nuanced than, than just, yes, they're the same. Um, yes, m for the most part, they come from the same factories. Uh, the different, the biggest difference though, is when you're taking uh, an FDA approved USP uh, medication, antibiotic, part of that is not just where it comes from, but how it's transported, how it's stored, um, basically how it gets from, from the factory to you. Uh, there's a lot, the, the oversight there with the FDA and the requirements is a, is a lot different. And so that's for, for me, giving these medications, whether it's for myself or to my children or, or, or patients, um, even though the FDA is not perfect, um, but knowing that there's th th that, that those protections have been put in place, um, whereas they're they're not the same for the pet medications where it might have been sitting, um, you know, in a hot, uh, uh, um, what am I thinking of, container ship for, for who knows how long um, before it got to, to the pet store and sat on the shelf and got to you. Um, those kinds of things that you don't, you're not able to see and, and, and be a part of, but you from for the human side of things, the FDA side of things, those protections are supposed to be in place. So I think that's the biggest difference between the two. Are they the same medications in the same amount um, most of the time from the same point of origin? Yes. Um, but that doesn't mean you're getting the same thing when you pick it up off the shelf. Well, it's good to know about the, uh, the behind the scenes uh, handling and, and such. I don't think that's something that a lot of people really consider. So that's, uh, 
that's really good information to know that, um, and it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The human stuff is, is watched a lot closer than the, uh, than the pet stuff and is handled a little bit differently. So that's, that's great yeah. to know. It's good information. Uh, Dan's got a question too, in regards to, uh, he's got some younger children. Is there an option for liquid antibiotics? I assume they're, uh, they're stable until mixed and then must be used within say 10 days. Uh, would the shelf life be the same? Yes. You, yeah. He, uh, Dan's right on. Um, as, um, as far as, um, once they're mixed, you, you have seven days to two weeks at the most typically, uh, to consume the medication. Um, however, if they if they're left in their powder form, then yes, they would be treated very similar to, to your, um, pills and capsules like we talked about before, as far as their viability. Um, now, through Jace Medical, this is something that right now our service is limited to, to ages 12 and older. So you can get medications for your minors, for your children. 12 is that cutoff. And the reason being two things, number one, typically children under the age of 12 um, have a harder time swallowing pills. Um, but more importantly uh, is the dosing changes. A 12-year-old is is big enough that we would give them an adult dose of most of these medications. Um, and so the dosing is pretty straightforward. When, you, when you're talking about someone less than 12, you're talking about weight-based dosing, which we're used to as parents. You look on the, child, on the children's Tylenol bottle and it tells you, you know, if they're this age or this weight, um, here's, here's how you count out those milliliters. But it is, it is a little more complicated. So we've been working hard with some pediatric pharmacists uh, over the last year, and we're really close to being able to actually offer a true pediatric version of the same Jace case where, where you as parents will be We'll get the, the medication in powder form with some very uh, clear instructions on how to properly mix that and how to properly dose it. Um, and we're really excited about that. It's kind of a big hole, I guess, in the service when, when you can't cover a whole segment of the population in, 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 in the, you know, our, our children. Um, so that's something that, that we're working hard with. But for now, um, you know, you, you can get, um, you can crush up human, uh, excuse me, adult size medications. Um, it's just really gets really tricky with, with the dosing of it to be, to be safe. Awesome. Uh, so we know right now Jace Medical covers uh, the USA and Canada. Do you guys have any, uh, any plans on expanding to, uh, to Europe was one, uh, one listener was interested in that or really anywhere else in the world, or are you planning on just sticking to, to North America? Uh, no, so we're definitely expanding. Um, we've been working for a while. Australia is our next country that we're just uh, hope, hopefully any day now, um, just ironing out a couple of things. After uh, Australia, we are looking to the UK um, and then around Europe. Um, so I would say just over the coming months to, to keep an eye out for that. And, and we hope to be there pretty soon. Awesome. Good to know. And I see uh, Dan in the live chats uh, beat me to my next question here. Uh, any, uh, any plans to expand into any other types of medications or are you going to be strictly sticking with the antibiotics? Well, so if you'll recall at the beginning, I mentioned our mission, which is that uh, empowering people to be better prepared medically. Um, so the answer, the answer is we absolutely will be expanding in our um, very close, um, maybe even will happen before we get to Australia, but that is uh, to, to venture into, um, I mentioned that the chronic people taking chronic medications, um, you know, blood pressure medications, diabetes, thyroid, um, epileptics. I mean, the list goes on and on, um, high cholesterol. And uh, so we have we have developed a service to to do something very similar for those patients. Um, you, you can imagine it's more complicated than just you know a set pack of antibiotics that everyone gets, um, and so that it's taken a lot more. There's a lot more uh, behind the scenes work, um, but we're really excited about it. I think it's a huge need um, for for a huge segment of the population, um, and finding a solution that's very similar to what we're doing with antibiotics, uh, we're we're really excited about. And so that's. Awesome. That's in the coming weeks, um, hopefully in the next four, at the most six weeks, um, you should awesome. see our, our chronic medication service launch. Well, that's really exciting. I know that's uh, that's a big question that I get uh, quite a bit, either yeah. doing this podcast yeah. or we running can... Rapid Survival. I get that question all the time. What do we do for this yeah. chronic medication? What do we do for that? We can only get so much through our, our current physician. Um, so yep. that uh, I'm sure that's going to be very, very well received. That's, uh, that's, that's a, a big gap that. in the preparedness world that... Uh, Yep. That sounds like you're going to be able to fill. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and I'll speak from my, my perspective. I'm on uh, a couple of those, I guess you'd say chronic medications. And I literally could not get into a doctor. 
I could not get into an after-hours clinic. I couldn't get a hold of my doctor. I ended up having to go and do it through an online service just to be able to renew my prescriptions. It was one of the most frustrating things that yeah. I've ever had to go through. Yeah, I'll bet. I mean, I again, a little difference between Canada and the U.S. I, I know here in the U.S., it's just, it's very, it's dictated by the insurance companies. Your physician will, in very rarely will your physician provide a, a prescription for more than three months at a time. That 90 day thing is just, you know, that's what the insurance companies will reimburse. And so that's what it is. But, but, but the reality is, uh, you know, if you, if you're, a phys- if you're a patient who's been on, we'll just keep it, let's call it like a, a blood pressure medication. You've been taking it for 10, 15 years. Your dosage hasn't changed. You see your doctor as you're supposed to routinely and everything's great. There's no reason why that patient shouldn't have a year prescription for that medication. It's safe. It, in, in some ways, you could see, even argue like for Jeff, it's even safer because he's not having to go and, and go through all of these hoops to try and get the medications that he needs. Um, and so again, it's not for everybody. It's not for every drug. It's not for every condition. Um, but for that, the, the people that it applies to, it's a no brainer. Why aren't we doing this? Well, very interestingly, a friend of mine had done some mission work down in sort of Central America. Uh, they had gone and seen people who had had zero medical care for large portions of their life. Some of them, they put on some high blood pressure medications and gave them a year supply Uh, And when they came back a year or two later, a bunch of them had had very negative effects. After they'd gone off the medication, they'd been on it for a year, they went off, and then there's a huge incidence of strokes. So I I think the ability to sort of keep on these medications that we've described as being very important to our our day-to-day health is... Certainly. I think, you know, as a family physician, family medicine physician, I, I'm always, I'm all about trying to avoid having you take medications to begin with. And Hey, if we can do some lifestyle modifications, if we can do this in another way, let's do that. But it's, but once you're on it, I mean, it's, yeah, like you point out, Scott, a lot of these medications can be really uh, dangerous to just, if you just stop all of a sudden you didn't have access. Um, you know, you're in some, some of the medications like, you know, insulin is obvious. You, you don't have insulin. That's one of the ones within days you're, it's it's vital, right? Blood pressure medications. You could argue, well, maybe not so much, but you bring up a great point. Um, if you if your body's used to that, you've been doing it for a long time. All of a sudden, you take it away, and your blood pressure shoots up. Yeah, you're looking at strokes. You're looking at heart attacks. You're looking, and and, and the same goes is true for a lot of conditions. So that access is it's it's more important now than ever when we tie all this back to to supply chains and 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 all the other things that can disrupt our access to healthcare. You had a few more questions, Scott? Yeah. Um, part of my origin story was watching uh, After Armageddon. Um, it was a like History Channel, you know, drama-mentary docudrama, uh, sort of looking at a lot of the stuff we talk about. Uh, likewise, one second after, antibiotics are a huge issue. Um, I have a few antibiotics in my supplies. Shh. Uh, and they gave me a huge sense of relief and calm, sort of having that tick box uh, accomplished. Um, you know, I look at potential disasters as resource depleted times. Uh, you know, what are the items that are important to me, and what are things that are going to be really hard to get or improvise after whatever switch has flipped? And I mean, antibiotics are a huge, huge um, sort of. You know, not even a red flag, like they're a giant target for uh, for me. Um, you've alluded to the training package that comes as part of your Jace case. Uh, you know, I think w- we talk about getting to know our equipment, using stuff. It's great if you have a $3,000 beautiful piece of equipment, but if you don't have any training with it and you don't know how to use it, it's not necessarily a, a safe thing to have. So can you tell us a little more about what you guys recommend for... Uh, training in the event you don't have access to your online resource or your your uh, kind of real-time remote resources uh, and what's included in that training package. Okay. Yes. Um, man. So where do, where do we start here? I think you bring up some great points when it comes to um, not just feeling like, Oh, I've got this great supply and now I'm set. Like you, you need to know what it is you have, what it, how to use it. 
Um, it, it really, to me, it's and would, not to try and derail this to another topic, but I think of potassium iodide in the same exact. I feel like we feel like, hey, I got my potassium iodide. I'm covered for nuclear fallout. Far from it. Far from it. it in fact, it's probably the least of the things you should be doing um, to be prepared. Um, but you feel like you've got it, and so now you're set. So same with antibiotics. There's there's a lot that that uh, goes into knowing what it is that you have and how to use it. And admittedly, our guide, and it, and it says right at the beginning, is not the end-all, be-all guide um, when it comes to self-diagnosis um, and, and the proper use of these medications. There are tomes out there um, that have a lot more detailed information in them. And I purposely don't endorse any particular one. I, I stay away from from that. There's a lot out there it's been, that have been written over the decades, and, and there's a lot of really good ones. So I would leave that up to, to the viewers to do some, some research and to look for, for ones that they like. Um, what we've included, um, when I wrote the book, it was, it was really meant as Number one, it's, it's, it's very short and accessible. It's something that can just be put with the kit. It's not a big, heavy book. Um, and it's meant to cover, again, those most common things you might encounter and the most deadly. But there's a lot that's not in there. Um, what is in there is, is fairly straightforward. And it's meant so that what we hope to do is the way we kind of um, try to educate the patients is, look, first, if you're ever going to use any of these medications, you should first reach out to your own GP um, or some other qualified medical professional. If you can't do that, option number two, you're out in, in, you're out in the bush somewhere. That's just not an option. Um, then you do have this resource where, where you can look at the book and, and figure out. Um, it's not necess necessarily something you'd have to read ahead of time and be really familiar with. It's pretty, it's pretty accessible. Um, and then lastly, we do offer our own uh, ourselves as a resource. Um, again, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, it's a little too late for that. Um, but if you can't get hold of your GP and you're able to, you can reach out to us and, and ask some questions. Now we're not geared, we're not set up so that if you're, you know, you just cut yourself, you're worried it's getting infected and you need a quick answer. Um, it's probably not the best idea to email us and, and, and wait a day or two for that answer to come back. Um, but we are there as a resource if you have general questions about the medication or other conditions so in, that they can be used for. Um, as far as just when it, just broadly speaking about education in this topic, um, just as you mentioned, you know, kind of wanting to know your equipment and how to use it, uh, I, I would encourage people to, it's not just that you have antibiotics. You know, antibiotics work um, when you're treating a bacterial infection for which they are effective against because not all antibiotics treat all bacteria. Um, most infections aren't um, bacteria um, caused. They're caused by viruses. They're caused by, fung by uh, fungus. Um, and so you want to be able to kind of differentiate what is causing this, this, this illness instead of thinking, well, I've given them antibiotics and they're going to be okay. Um, and, and that kind of re raises the, the other point here, which is um, antibiotic resistance is a question we get a lot. Um, kind of what, what is, what, what should we consider when it comes down to antibiotic resistance? And that's why we want everyone to be aware of how to take these properly at the right time and for the right amount of time. Um, we don't want to be contributing to, to antibiotic resistance. It's a real thing. And uh, the last thing you want is, is a bad staph infection that is basically resistant to, to all but the most powerful IV antibiotics. And so um, being, being a good steward of, of these important um, tools is, is really important as well. In terms of antibiotic resistance, um, we had a little bit of a discussion ahead of time um, after a, a scenario where the world has changed and there isn't common access to regular antibiotics are the existing antibiotic resistant bacterial strains likely to still be the dominant strains or are they going to be out competed by um, sort of the the regular non-resistant strains that all of a sudden don't have antibiotics to have to fight against and might have sort of a, an evolutionary advantage in terms of uh, sort of that, that competition, the, the scenario being, or the, the metaphor being, you know, if, if you're wearing all sorts of body armor because bullets are flying, that's great. But if you're wearing a suit of armor and you're in a foot race, it's really a disadvantage. So sort of in that, that sort of yeah. bacterial resistant sense, well, uh, 
how do you sort of, <laughs> or what scenario do you foresee unfolding years from now? You know, that little cut in your hand that gets infected at your home as opposed to a healthcare environment. Um, uh, yeah, I, you, you kind of answered it, I think, in, in the question. Um, I think, you know, if we look back at, look back at some precedents with, with you know, you can look at um, s- very similar things with, with viral um, illnesses. Uh, we saw it even with, with COVID. Um, and, and that's just, and that's a very predictable for the most part. It's, it's a predictable pattern or, or um, evolution, call it, um, when we look at, at how these organisms propagate and if, using COVID as, as the example, right? When you've got something that's that's just very virulent and, and very deadly, um, it kind of kills off its hosts. It, 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 that doesn't work um, to further its to further its existence in the long run. Um, and so this, by the same token, I think we would see a very similar thing happen with the bacteria um, as, as you kind of alluded to. And it is true. Most, for the most part, these super bugs that we hear about in the news, they, they exist in the hospital environment um, because they need all that armor, uh, to use your analogy, um, take take all that away, and I think the natural kind of evolution in, in of how of how they would do best out in the wild, quote unquote, um, we would see a return to to a lot of those um, a lot of those strains that may be more susceptible, um, and and in that case, um, you know that, that would obviously be a good thing for for us with with using the antibiotics that we have at hand. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know that is it, it's a very interesting thought experiment to to go through. I'm not sure we have any good answers, but it's uh, I think a thought experiment is the perfect description for it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, awesome! Any other questions from the uh, the panelists at all? No, I'm I'm definitely awesome. going to look up the website and uh, get some info. And uh, thank you very much. Good. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. I mean, I, I think my just to drive the point home. Um, you know, I've been seeing it now for the last two weeks or plus. We've been reading about the amoxicillin shortage that then turned into the children's uh, Tylenol shortage and the Tamiflu shortage, and now just because of the amoxicillin, it spilled over into the augmentin because it contains amoxicillin, and now we're talking about azithromycin because it's an alternative, um, and it's just kind of snowballing here. Um, you know, I, and I was, I think I, we were talking about it before, but um, being in, being in the industry, this is hearing about it this much and this often is, is, is newer um, is, is definitely more concerning, but it's also not, it's not, it's, it's not novel. We have had dealt with shortages um, in, with other medications in the past. I think we're seeing them more frequently and more often now we will continue to. And I think, and I, I do feel strongly that, that it will get worse. That's, it's why, it's literally the reason why why I, I, I founded the company uh, was the day I found out that 90 plus percent of the medications prescribed in the U.S. are generic and 100 percent of those medications are produced overseas. Um, that was a light bulb moment for me and just realizing how vulnerable we were as a society all the way down to just me as an individual and for my family so that I, I can't. You know, a quick story. I was my talking about all this was about RSV that we're hearing about with kids in the hospital, right? Um, I've got a, a daughter with asthma who who um, got sick a couple weeks ago, and here I am. You know, I've got I've got pretty much anything you could think of um, and need in 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 different medical scenarios. Um, however, this particular day, um, I had everything I needed uh, to treat her her uh, asthma exacerbation. <clears throat> Um, except for one critical component of, of how to deliver it, this medication. So I found myself rushing to the, our, our, our children's hospital, um, taking her to the, to the waiting room and where she was in respiratory distress. She was in bad shape. And I remember holding her in, in the emergency room and I was just, I, I felt so helpless. And that feeling of helplessness is just, it's, again, it's back to why, why we founded this company is it, we are here to empower you, to empower our patients to not be in those situations, 
to, to the degree that we can, as much as we can. There's nothing like that feeling. Maybe where your your neighbor is, is worried that they're going to flood because their um, their system, you know, their power just went out. Um, as as Jeff brought up, and feeling helpless um, until you've until you've in that moment and felt it. I mean, that's the only that should be the one and only driver you need. I mean, hopefully, just hearing about it from someone else is enough to to make you realize, okay, I don't ever want to be in that situation. But um, so we're doing what we can. We're starting with these antibiotics. We're going to grow from there. Um, I'd encourage everyone to, to check out jacemedical.com. It's a, it's a quick and easy process. Um, once you've got it, you've got it. Um, and, and um, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty well covered for a lot of different issues uh, for years to come. Oh, that's awesome. And we appreciate you filling that, uh, that pretty big gap in the preparedness world because it's, uh, it's something that's uh, been missing for quite a long time where people are able to go and fill all kinds of other voids and prepare for all kinds of other things. But then you hit the uh, the medical world where you you need a physician to oversee certain things, and you need that professional aspect in order to oversee that uh, things are done safely and responsibly. And uh, I think it's fantastic that you've got a, a system out here now that we can all access, and we can be responsible of how we access it, and we've got professional oversight as well when we do access the services to to make sure that nobody's going to go out and you know do the Google thing and say, oh yeah, I know how to do this now. Um, actually having the the medical professional overseeing things and, and helping us out is is filling an absolute huge, huge gap. And uh, I thank you for coming out and talking to us this evening as well and, and helping spread that word uh, because it's uh, I think it's an important thing to get out to the preparedness company. And it's uh, really fantastic that uh, you're expanding into Canada and, and have thoughts of expanding worldwide because it's uh, it's a big gap that uh, is everywhere. So, so I appreciate well, thank you. you. Time, thank uh, you. Stephen. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank always any chance to get the word out. We, we try and jump on it. So we appreciate the platform and the opportunity. That's awesome. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to having you back in the future to hear about uh, your expanded uh, yeah. options and, uh, and yeah, hearing sure about how it. you've expanded elsewhere as well. Uh, we'd love to have more available. We'll, uh, we'll get you back out to talk uh, as well. Uh, I know you've got some time restraints here, so uh, we will let you go. And uh, like good. I said, you are welcome to come back anytime you'd like. Uh, and also the uh, any of the listeners that have questions, you can uh, shoot them into uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca and I can make sure they get to, uh, to Dr. Roland for you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, have a thanks good night. Thank you. Okay. Well, with that, let's move into the podcast challenge. I think if you haven't started already considering your medical preps and if antibiotics should be a part of your plan, maybe uh, the, we'll use podcast challenges as a little nudge to, to consider that. Um, so yeah, review your medical preps and see if antibiotics are something that would be appropriate for you and yours to have access to in the event resources become further depleted. And I put a link in the live chat, but for all the audio listeners, if you go to jacemedical.com and forward slash rapid survival, that'll kick you through to the Jace Medical website, but it also gives you $10 off their service. So again, uh, jacemedical.com slash rapid survival, and uh, you get 10 bucks off. So check that out if this is uh, something that is of interest to you, or maybe will help you uh, take on the podcast challenge for this week. All right, what do we got for upcoming events? Looks like uh, Youth on the Air is coming to Canada, uh, July 16th to the 21st of 2023. So that is, uh, for those that don't know, it is a uh, ham radio initiative trying to get uh, young folks on the air and uh, talking to uh, ham operators and potentially getting their license. So uh, you can check out rack.ca slash youth-on-the-air and uh, check that out if you've got a... Uh, a kid in your life that uh, you think might be interested in getting into the ham radio world. Cool. All right. We've got a weather blurb there, Jeff. Sure we do. Why not? Uh, so we are looking at the potential for another uh, fairly large storm outbreak to occur, make its way across the U S and <clears throat> parts of Canada this week. Um, severe weather, uh, tornado potential uh, is well, uh, in that are expected to develop by Tuesday night over uh, Texas, Arkansas, and, and that that area in the south, and last well into Thursday. So this isn't going to be just a, a quick in and out thing. Um, 
it's it's going to be a, a line storm. Small, small potential for a derecho to, to come out of it. Um, I really wouldn't bet on it, but the potential uh, is always there. Um, we're at that time of year where it's always the conflict of the cold and the warm. Um, I know I've said it before, this uh, is around the same time last year that uh, was that quite prolific tornado outbreak uh, in the U.S. that killed um, upwards, I believe, of about 20 people and caused all kinds of damage. So uh, the risk is there. Pay attention. Uh, of course, on the backside of any uh, cold front like that, you get the risk for obviously snow. Uh, so we're looking, you know, at the Dakotas, Wyoming, Minnesota, uh, states to the northeast. Uh, they have the potential for 18 to 24 inches of snow and blizzard conditions are not out of the question. Uh, that also applies uh, north of the border into uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, northern Ontario, uh, potentially even getting into southern Ontario late in the week. Uh, I'll be keeping a bit of an eye on it and popping stuff up on the Discord. I did put a link there for uh, my good friend, Mr. Uh, Ryan Hall who's uh, got a good take on what he thinks is coming this week. So uh, have a good look at it. And again, always uh, don't be scared, be prepared. Awesome. Yeah. Old man winter, I think is finally showing up. He tried to show up a couple weeks ago, disappeared. I think he's back for good now. Great. Right, deal of the week. Canadian Tire uh, Christmas season has some extension cords on, including a lovely 12-gauge 50-footer with three outlets, lid end. Um, to, to Alan's point, uh, I don't think you can ever have too many CO detectors, too much duct tape, or too many extension cords. Uh, so that one is a good 35 or 40% off. And, uh, you know, a couple of mine are deployed for, like, giant inflatable things that amuse my kids and me. <laughs> but uh, I think those are always good to have if you're running generators for sub pumps and that kind of thing. Fair yeah. enough. All right, uh, shout outs. I got a quick uh, shout out to a uh, new Patreon, Eric. It's not me. This Eric spells her name with a K. Um, so they've uh, hopped on the Patreon at the uh, $2 level. So we uh, appreciate you helping uh, keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. Uh, I want to shout out my mag buddy who teaches me useful things uh, like armor analogies for antibiotic <laughs> resistance. Awesome. All right. Uh, some email and iTunes reviews. So we've got a YouTube comment from a Mayday Homestead. Uh, and it says, uh, I was surprised when I only see a handful of likes and views on these videos until I remembered that they're actually always listened over on the uh, yeah, Spotify app. Uh, we love you guys, miss you on the weeks you're busy with life. Uh, we always forget to go live, but we enjoy every episode. And uh, yeah, they bring up a good point for uh, for the uh, the YouTube and for the live show. It's uh, it's not our most popular format. We do have our, uh, our listeners that hop on live uh, every Sunday and help us out with comments and chat and keep things interesting. Uh, but majority of our uh, uh, people that uh, listen and, and kind of listen to our content is all on audio um, on the, uh, you know, Podbean, Spotify, um, iTunes, uh, all those applications. So majority is all audio based. But uh, yeah, we do have people that pop in every Sunday and, and watch live as well. And it always makes things fun to have those live comments. All right. With that, I will bring episode number 187 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. And you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out, submit a review. It does help other people find us. And we do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. That gives you an alert when we are going live. If you want to contact me, you can reach me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca or I am frequently on the Discord. Uh, I'm not responsible enough to have my own email address, so feedback for prepperpodcast.ca works just fine for Scott as well. Um, you can find me at Off the Wall Customizing, um, the Discord, not often, but the odd time will be there, as well as the other CPP on Monday nights on YouTube's. Awesome. And please uh, check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat, or you can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. 
So thanks for joining us this evening. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>